Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast, where we talk about all things related to athletic performance, rehabilitation, and wellness. My name is Michael Falk, and I'll be hosting today's episode, and I'm joined today by John Bauer of the Practice Station in New Berlin. John is a local golf instructor that has previously worked at both Golf Tech and owned his own golf studio. He now owns and operates the Practice Station, which is a brand new concept that's several years old that is a different take on what a golf practice facility looks like. This episode is going to be great if you are a golfer that wants to improve, as John talks about some instruction tips, tips on finding new instructors, and then John and I dive into some of the details surrounding the golf business and what he sees in golf going forward. Welcome to another episode of the Milwaukee Sports Performance Podcast. My name is Michael Falk, and I will be joined today by John Bauer. John's a local golf instructor that now owns and operates the practice station in New Berlin, Wisconsin. John is well known around the area for his golf instruction and has worked with some of the area's top players. Several years ago, he had a dream and a vision of creating a golf practice facility unlike anything else in the area that really allows players to work on their games and practice in a unique environment. So, John, thank you for joining us. I'm excited to talk today. Yeah, thanks for having me, Michael. All right, so I'd like to get, just get started with some background for our listeners. Um, can you tell people how you got into golf and golf instruction in the first place? Yeah, um, I think my, my journey is uh, uh, an interesting one. Um, I started playing golf, uh, I think, later in life. Uh, and by later, it was um, I played with my dad a little bit in high school, but didn't really take it too seriously. Um, and then, um, after high school, um, I didn't go to college right away, uh, and just was kind of searching for what I wanted to do with my life and, um, had some time and started, started playing a lot more golf and absolutely fell in love with it. Um, and then I took a job in, uh, in sales and insurance and investments, realized that it really wasn't for me. And, um, then one thing led to another and I, and I got a job out at Deer Track, uh, in Oconomowoc just as a manager and absolutely fell in love with the game and, um, realized pretty early on, I was not going to be a great player. Um, but I had an eye for, um, helping people. Um, and I have a desire to help people. I love, you know, I, to me, it's more, uh, rewarding to help somebody hit a draw for the first time or help somebody hit a flop shot for the first time than it is to go out and, and shoot a great round myself. So um, I, I, I had an eye for it. I had a passion for it. So I was at Deer Track for about four years. And then I went to Golf Tech um, in Wauwatosa, which is all instruction, all day, every day, all video, and just became a video geek and a swing geek and just absolutely loved looking, breaking down swings, tour players, um, and just seeing how I could help people. So, um, again, I, that's kind of how it developed. And then uh, after Golf Tech, I broke off on my own in 2010 and I uh, had my own teaching studio out in Heartland. And, um, again, just just absolutely loved the teaching side. And, uh, ne- you know, like I said, never going to be a great player, but um, found a way to help people uh, play their best golf. That's great. Uh, that's a really good story. And, and, uh, I think 
you know, sometimes the best players aren't always the best teachers because they never had to really work at it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I think sometimes it probably gives you a really good uh, insight too. Absolutely. So what led you to stop? I, I know you still do some teaching here and there, but what led you to stop doing your day in, day out teaching and want to open the practice station? Yeah. So I, you know, I taught for overall with golf tech and then, and then the studio in, in a deer track, you know, it was probably 16, 17, 18 years. And when I broke off from my own and had my own studio, you know, it was, it was me out on the range tee, you know, 11, 12 hours a day, uh, you know, five, six days a week. And, um, although I loved it, it's a grind, it's a grind, you know, standing on that range tee, you know, getting beaten down by the sun, all that stuff. So I, um, I loved it, but I just always felt like I needed something more. And, um, it was one of those things that I did not want to, you know, get to age 60 and, and look back and regret not doing it. And the other part of it was there's a lot of great range players. Um, they can hit it great on the range, but then taking it to the course is another issue. And I always wanted a place where my students could practice in real life situations, um, hitting into real greens, surrounded by trees, surrounded by bunkers, hitting over water. Um, that's what makes you better. And there really wasn't anything like that. So that's the other reason I wanted to, to uh, branch out and try and develop something like that. Oh, that's great. So could you tell people if they're unfamiliar with kind of what the practice station is, what your vision is with, with uh, that? Sure. So the practice station, um, we're, we're uh, in year four now. And uh, it was a nine-hole golf course. It's uh, located in New Berlin, just north of New Berlin Eisenhower High School. Um, it was a nine hole golf course, uh, to be honest, pretty run down, pretty beaten up when I, uh, when I bought it and we started the transformation of changing it into a, a practice facility. So I kind of call it a practice facility on steroids. Um, so we kept basically six, six of the holes. Um, and that's the only part of the facility you need a membership for. So the six holes, you can go out, you can take a cart. And you can use them however you want. So you can play them as holes. Um, if you're struggling from 75 yards, you can drop 20 balls. You can drop 50 balls. It doesn't matter. You can hit them into the green. You can go up. And if you miss the green, you can chip them. You can pitch them. Um, you can hit bunker shots. You can hit over trees, under trees. So it's all situational practice. And um, nobody's waiting behind you mad because you're taking forever. The whole concept is... Once you get to a spot on the facility, it's yours until you're done. So that's the membership component. And then we built uh, a driving range and it's the first TrackMan range in Wisconsin. So uh, you can download a free app on your phone and get um, eight different ball stats every time you hit a shot. It saves it all for free um, and you can play games on there. Um, and the thing I like about it is we offer the greatest technology in the world. Track, TrackMan is the best technology in the world, but we're not jamming it down your throat. So if you just want to come and hit a bucket of balls on the range and you don't want to be bothered by the technology, you don't have to do it. Um, and we could be out there together. You love the technology. I don't like it. And we're not going to be bothering each other. So we offer it, but we're not jamming it down your throat. Um, so the driving range is open to the public. The We have two practice screens open to the public. And then we've got a full clubhouse um, with a full bar, and we added three TrackMan simulators. Um, so we have winter leagues. We have avail they're available for public play. 
There's over 140 courses on the uh, on them, so it's very um, uh, very busy in the winter, obviously. So um, so those are kind of the different components. So public can use the simulators, you can use the bar, they can use the range, they can use the practice screens, and then if you want a membership, you can get one, um, and that would be for the practice holes. Yeah, that's awesome. If if you haven't been there and you're a golfer in the area, it's a uh, must visit. It's a really cool idea and i think it'll be something that continues to really help a lot of players in the uh, state continue to improve so i can't have you here and just talk about uh you know the the practice station though i need to pick your brain on some thoughts on helping players play better golf sure um so i like doing this with any instructor that we have on um what are some of the most common just like technical swing characteristics faults whatever words you want to use that you see in many amateur players. Yeah. I think the, the, the two biggest things that I see are, um, loss of posture. A lot of people call it early extension, uh, and the downswing. Um, and then the other big one is, um, you can call it a bunch of different things. You can call it scooping. You can try it. You can call it, uh, yeah. Casting, you can call it lifting, whatever you want to call it, but just trying to help the ball up in the air. Um, I think those are the two big ones. And they obviously result in um, a lot of issues for people. And when you watch the best players in the world, none of them are doing either of those two, obviously. <laughs> yeah. and, and that's why they, one of, you know, a couple of the reasons they can be so consistent. Yeah. Why they just wear out the grooves on the center of the Absolutely. club face while we, uh, while we all hit them off right. all parts. Yes. Um, when you start working with a player, maybe somebody that has one of those characteristics or, um, shooting for a sp- specific goals. Um, it's kind of like a long-term myth in the golf industry. Back when I was growing up, people used to be like, oh, the worst thing you can do for a swing is like go take a lesson or whatever the case may be. And I've never really bought into that. I've had a lot of great coaches that have helped me play better. But I do think there are like there are players that take a lot of lessons, try to go to the driving range, hit balls, but they don't ever actually get better so what do you see with players that are working on their games but not really seeing improvements i i think one of the biggest things and i I saw it in all my years of teaching is you can't go into a lesson uh thinking that the lesson is going to fix you right it's not magic there's no magic pill uh the guys and you know the men and women that you see uh, on tv every weekend let's face it, they have, they spent a lifetime working on their game and, and working their butts off. It doesn't come easy. So you can take a lesson. Um, and a lot of people like to take a lesson, go out and play poorly and then blame that instructor that they don't know what they're talking about. Right. (laughs) And it's just very common. Um, but I think what people have to realize is that number one, you have to understand what you're doing now that's causing you to be inconsistent. Um, and then what you can start working on that will help you be more consistent, but it's a process. It's like everything else in life. It just takes time. And um, I think if people realize that, and I'm not saying it's going to take, you know, it's hard to put a number on it, but it, it's not going to take one lesson or two lessons and all of a sudden you're cured. That's not how it works because you've been doing some, most people have been doing something for so long that it's ingrained and I'm not sure this is the place to debate, you know, whether muscle memory is a thing or not, <laughs> but, uh, your, your body's going to do something that it's used to, 
Um, and until you get it to change it by repetition, it's, you know, your game's not going to get better. Right. Especially under stress and yeah. things like that. Yeah. You're going to go back to what you know and what yeah. you're comfortable with. Yeah. No, I think that's great. And it kind of sets me up for the first or for my next question, which is, um, what do you, you open a golf practice facility for a reason. What are some errors that you see players like make when they're trying to practice? Like, what do you see them not doing? Yeah. So I think, you know, obviously as a business owner now, you know, one of the, one of the, um, things that I like to see is the guy that comes early Saturday morning and gets three large buckets all at once and, and, and lugs them out to the range. Right. Cause that's good for business. But when you think about what, what that player is doing, they're probably just reinforcing their bad habits. Right. But they think if I just pound enough, you know, enough golf balls, I'm going to get better. Um, but it's not about, it's not about just volume. It's about doing it correctly. So, um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I see uh, uh, people struggle with. And then the other big one is getting uh, caught up in the long clubs and distance and driver. Um, I think if people would spend more time from 75 yards and in, excuse me, I think it would change their games. Uh, And I don't think I know it would change their games. (laughs) Um, It's just a fact. But most people... Um, you know, they'll go bang balls on the driving range for an hour or two. And then on their way back to the car, they'll spend five minutes on the chipping green. Right. And that if we can reverse that, I think we'll see a lot better, uh, scores overall. Yeah. I think, uh, I like jokingly, and this is something that I struggle with and my, myself, like, especially right now it's the winter. So I, I typically work on things in the winter because in summer I try to play more, but I'll go take a trip somewhere, play a little bit in the winter, and I'm playing golf swing, not golf. And I usually score horribly because I'm I'm thinking about all the yeah. stuff that I can work on in a simulator. But on the golf course, you actually you know mark down how many times it takes you to get in the right. hole. There's no style points. Absolutely, for sure. Um, no, I think that's interesting. I think the other thing that I've seen and which is awesome about what you're doing is like you can't underestimate the the effect that pressure is going to have. Like it's great if you're on the driving range, but How's that swing that you just worked on for two hours on the range? Is is that the same swing that's going to come out where there's OB left and carry 200 yard carry over water? Or, you know, changes your how tight you feel, what you're worried about. Yeah, and, and I think you you only you only can develop a consistent, repeatable swing with a lot of repetition because, like we talked about, otherwise you're you're always going to default to something, right? And if you default to when you get under pressure, if you default to swinging harder, trying harder, swinging faster, it's probably not going to end well. Right. Yeah. But if you can default to just calming your mind, relaxing and just trying to you know, swing easier, you're going to have a better result. Yeah. Easier said than done, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Otherwise, we'd all be uh, PGA players. Absolutely. For sure. <laughs> but it's funny that we were talking about that a little bit, because I think one of the interesting things with with you in particular is that. You've had the ability to work with a lot of different players, including some of the top players that are have extremely bright futures in golf as a potential career. How does that? How does it change philosophically? And what what changes about your approach when you're working with somebody more on that elite level, is playing competitively, that um, really wants to to be a, a college player, tour player, versus your average golfer that wants to play well with his buddies on the weekend? Yeah, I think it. I think it just. It depends on on each individual situation. Obviously, 
you know, if you're if you're taking a 25 handicapper and trying to get him to a 15 and hit a draw for their first time, um, that's 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 I don't want to say it's easy to do, but it's it's fairly easy to do because um, you can you can just exaggerate their path, right? You can just have them come 10 degrees from the inside. Who cares, right? Because they'll they'll just hit a nice snap draw and they'll love it. But if you're working with the elite player, um, you can't do that. You have to be obviously <laughs> much more precise, and they're looking for you know. Th- their miss uh, and what they're looking for, you know, it's it's a lot smaller than what the what the high handicapper is dealing with. So um, I think it's just managing expectations. And you know, when I think about, I've had the you know good fortune to uh, coach. Um, when I was on my own, I coached. Um, I think it was eight or nine um, state champions, either individual state champions. This is at the high school level, individual state champions or part of a team state championship. And, um, I I think when you're working with players like that, it, it's, once their swings get to a certain point, then it's about guiding. It's about keeping their confidence up. It's about reminding them of their past successes. And, um, you know, it's not so much coaching at that point. It's just saying the right things at the right time. And, and again, guiding and reminding of the, them of their talent and, and where they've been. Yeah, getting back to that baseline. I think one of the, I mean, one of the harder things that, that we deal with and kind of with all players, it's easy to look at them in video and pick out some, quote unquote abnormalities, right? Like that the armchair quarterback would they should change that because their arm slot's a little bit different. But you're like, this guy's a big leaguer, throws ninety eight, he's never been hurt. Are we really gonna change that? Like I know it's not textbook perfect, but like maybe that's what makes him special. He is different right. than your average player. Right. And I think you have to you have to talk through that with the player and maybe let them know that, you know, this is what I'm seeing. This is what you're doing. This is what it could be causing something. But if you're comfortable with it, you know, that doesn't mean we have to change it. And I think that's actually true with any golf instruction. I mean, it's our job as instructors. It's my job as an instructor to let them know what I'm seeing. But then between the two of us, I think it's important to come up with a plan to see how we attack that. Because the guy that's been doing something for 40 years, we might, you know, we might be banging our head against a wall, right, trying to fix that where there might be something else smaller that he's doing that will have just as big of an impact on his, his, um, his swing. So I think it's just being honest with the student, um, managing expectations and yeah, that's about it. Yeah, no, I think that's, uh, that's fascinating. So, uh, for players looking to find a new golf instructor, hasn't taken lessons or wants to make a change or something like that, what are, what are some questions that people should ask or things that they should look for when they're looking for somebody to help them with their game? Yeah, I, I love this question um, because I, I think there are two things that are important if you're looking for an instructor. I think the first one is ask that instructor uh, what success he has had with a player like you. Whatever player you are, if you're uh, a 60-year-old female that's just starting, if you're a high school player, I think it's important to, because um, some instructors work with everybody, right? Some have their specialties. So I think it's important to know who they've worked with and what success they've had. And the other huge thing that I believe is critical uh, is video. 
I think you have to go to somebody uh, that uses video because the golf swing happens so fast. And even though I feel like I have a, you know, an eye for it, I'm not going to see everything that happens in a split second. Right. So the video to be able to break that down, to be able to show somebody for the first time, this is what you're doing. And this is what leads to that chunk shot, every fourth shot or whatever it may be is, is invaluable. And, and I just, I believe it is so critical. Now you don't have to use it every lesson, every swing, but it has to be part of the overall improvement plan in my opinion. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And I mean, I think this golf instruction has changed so much. I mean, you referenced track man and like, I think part of why you're seeing so many younger PGA tour players have more success is like, we know why golf balls move right, why they move left, why you can hit a pull cut. Like, it's, it's sort of physics at this point, and we have the technology between TrackMan to see what's happening at the ball and between video, 3D motion capture, or whatever, to see what the body's doing and, and just working with somebody that can help you understand the positions and changes and drills and whatnot that you need to do. Absolutely. And when, it, you, know, when you talk about somebody hitting, hitting a nice little baby draw or somebody hitting a huge slice, it's not rocket science why that happens. It comes down to physics, right? Yeah. And it comes down to spin, but it's helping the people understand what am I doing in my swing that causes that spin. Um, And if you don't, if you, if you're not able to show them on video, I think it's really hard for them to um, understand the why conceptualize it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, back to when I started at golf tech, I thought I, I thought I, uh, my swing looked like tiger, you know, I'm telling you, the first time I saw it on video, I almost threw up because it did not look anything like that. So, um, but I wouldn't have known otherwise. Yeah. If you don't see it. So. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think uh, that's really good advice for anyone that's uh, looking to get into into trying to improve their game a little bit this summer. All right. So, kind of from the ten thousand foot view, just as a golf business owner, um, looking at this has been a wild couple of years with kind of COVID. More people are playing than ever. I mean, there was a there was a time that like golf was hurting where people just weren't starting to play the game, but now more kids are playing, more ladies are playing. I was trying to buy new clubs, like literally couldn't get a club shipment in all of last year. Um, so what do you see kind of moving forward now that more people are starting to pick up the game? Like what's next in the golf industry or how does this, how does this keep moving forward? Yeah, I think, I think golf is in a pretty good spot right now. There was a, there was a huge influx of, of golfers um, with COVID. I think it's important for, for all of us in the golf business to keep, um, you know, I, I, I saw a study, and I don't remember, I'll, I'll butcher the statistics, but the number one uh, reason that people leave the game is because they don't get better. Um, and I don't want to I don't want to uh, be that guy and throw this all back to practice the practice station, but we got to find ways to help people get truly get better. Um, as instructors, as, as anybody in the golf business, we have to help people get better um, because if they enjoy the game more, they're going to play it more. Absolutely. I think especially with kids. And I I think that we're seeing progress, but it's like, don't just give your five-year-old like your cut down men's irons, like get them clubs that they can have success with. Don't make your eight-year-old play a 6,000 yard course. Like let them, 
let them play from 150 yards and make pars and like have fun. Like golf is hard enough. <laughs> like let people continue to, to have fun and, and enjoyment. Yeah. And I think there are some good programs out there right now that do that. And they, they bring other sports into learning how to play golf. And, you know, I think starting, uh, and again, there's some good programs out there that do this, but starting at the green and working your way backwards, getting people to understand how to hit a chip shot or start it even with a putt, right? Because then a, uh, a chip shot is basically a larger putt. And then a pitch is a larger larger chip. And then a full swing is a larger pitch. So if we start there, I think people will understand it more. Uh, but if we start uh, a kid or a beginner at 250 yards and say you're trying to reach that target, I think it makes it a lot more difficult. So I just, I just think it's continuing to find ways to um, – it'll never be an easy game, but helping people get better – um, by just continuing to be creative. Yeah, no, I think that's uh, that's awesome and really good advice. What um, kind of as a as an owner in the golf industry, what are some ongoing challenges that you see with golf um, from like a, a business standpoint and just with the game still? You know, I don't know if it's uh, so much from the business standpoint as it is from the overall game. And I guess I just I just have. Uh, if I have any concerns about golf, it's this recent, um, I know long drive has been around for uh, a long time, but it just seems like there's a lot of people now chasing distance and at the tour level, you know, at the high school level, at the college level. Um, and yes, it's fun to hit, you know, the ball a long way, but I just worry and I, I don't, you know, I'm not a doctor, I'm not a physical therapist, but I look at like Bryson recently, I look at Tiger, his body, right? Is that, I mean, the golf swing puts a lot of pressure on the body. If we start to want to do it faster and stronger and bigger continuously, is that is that going to allow people to play this game into their 70s and 80s like they do now? So I guess that's, that's just one of my, I don't know if it's a concern or if it's just kind of, I'm just thinking about it, like, you know, why do we need to hit the ball 350 yards or three or 400 yards? I mean, yeah. why? I, I don't, and it's not wrong. It's just, yeah. just something I guess I think about. No, I know. I think it's interesting because it's definitely going that way. And, and I mean, I, all the, it's like, just like baseball where it's gone all the analytics. And I, I get the analytics that a wedge out of the rough is you have a better chance of scoring than a four iron from the middle of the fairway. But I, kind of along the same lines when I look at it and it'll be interesting to see, but like I know the USGA and the, um, uh, the European golf and John like RNA, RNA yep. are doing their big distance study. And I also question, I get the potentially the need to minimize distance at the top level of the game, but you know, a lot of the 60, 70 year old golfers, they don't need help not hitting it far enough, you know, sure. like, so right. it's just going to be interesting from the distance standpoint, like do they bifurcate the rules, which they've always prevented to doing or how does that go forward? Cause yeah, like the 70 year old guys that can't carry the water hazards anymore. That's a problem too. Right. And, and, and I don't know what the answer is. Yeah. Um, and, but I also think part of the, uh, the joy and the beauty of golf is learning how to shape shots and learning how to get yourself out of trouble, learning how to hit different, you know, you know, just different uh, ball flights and all that. So 
Um, if we're just going to start pounding it and then hitting a wedge in, again, that's not wrong. Yeah. And I don't mean to sound like, you know, the get off my lawn <laughs> guy at all. I really don't. But it's just something I wonder, like, where where is this all going? Yeah. Uh, and I think with Bryson kind of going into the long drive arena, you know, there's going to be more people doing. I think Rory, I think Rory came out recently and said that, you know, he's got to stop chasing that because I think he got caught up in that a little bit. So it'll just be interesting to me to see where that all goes. Yeah, no, I uh, I agree. And I think also be interesting, you're sort of seeing this idea of like, I mean, kind of Renaissance design, course design, where all of a sudden, um, I mean, for a long time, it was like, well, let's just make courses longer. But length isn't, I mean, Aaron, Aaron Hills is a great, course but that was the longest u.s open venue ever and those guys tore it up um but they can go to a classically designed course that it makes you hit some of those shots and you have to placement matters to give you angles into certain pins and you know through good architecture you can defend a course still it just like we kind of went away from that for a period i think you're seeing like a revival of it now too right yeah and i'm excited to see how course designers get more and more creative and um again make it make it um just continue to make it fun and challenging um but also allow those players that are in their 60s 70s 80s to be able to still enjoy it as well yeah. so yeah golf through the whole spectrum yeah. from juniors through for sure you know, competitive players i think for it's sure. going to be great all right i want to hear about what's uh what's next with the practice station what do you you guys have a good thing started what does it look like in five years so, um, <laughs> that's a great question. Um, I, um, at, at some point the, the plan was, and I would say still is, it's just a matter of when I would love to add heated bays out in the range so we can, uh, use it year round. Um, you know, we've got the, the three indoor simulators that we use year round. Um, but it'd be nice for people to see ball flight as well. So, um, I think it's still coming. I don't know. You know, it's, it's, um, we'll just have to see how the next few years go. Um, I'm really excited about, um, I hired a great superintendent last year and the greens were in rough shape when I bought the facility, but he has restored them all. And now we're at a spot where, um, we should be able to get them all rolling fast and true, uh, somewhere between a 10 and a 12 on the stem. You know, last fall or last spring, they're running a seven uh, and in rough shape. So um, when people can come out there and get all their data um, on the track man range, work on their short game, chip and putt on quality greens, I think it's a game changer. So um, we have done some things, you know, like, like, you know, you and I have talked about it. This whole thing is a big experiment. So trying to find out what works, what doesn't. Uh, what price point we should be at with memberships. We did some things last year, uh, tried to simplify memberships. Um, we're also offering a, uh, it's called the Practice Station Club, where you can uh, just pay a $99 seasonal fee and then just kind of pay as you go so you get full access to the facility, but uh, you're not tied to a membership. So just trying to figure out what works, um, trying to offer something for everybody. Um, you know, most people that come out love the concept. Um, it's just a new concept and it's taken some time to take off. But, um, you know, my goal is to, as we continue to grow, continue to get uh, bigger, is to make sure that the quality is there. Um, I want to I want to make sure the greens are always in beautiful shape. I want to make sure the tees are in good shape, the bunkers. So um, 
you know, we're getting there little by little. Um, but I think over the next five years, you'll just see the conditions improve tremendously. And cause I, my, my goal when I bought it was I want it to be country club quality. And again, just like changing your golf swing, it doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. And that's been kind of humbling and frustrating, but, uh, we will get there. Yeah, no, that's, um, that's awesome. It is uh, definitely a cool, cool spot if you're a golf nut um, or just somebody that's getting into the game and wants to actually be able to follow through on some of the things that John referenced with, you know, how to practice and getting information and doing all that. It's uh, definitely worth going to check out. Um, they have a great little indoor bar with some uh, good, good drink options as well, if that's more your speed. So uh, um, definitely get over to check that out. Um, so I really appreciate the time and coming on today. Where can people learn more about the practice station and, and get more information about memberships or events? Yep. So uh, we're on uh, all social media, you know, Instagram, Facebook, um, and then uh, the practice is our website and uh, everything is on there. The memberships are on there. Um, all information is on there. Um, phone number, address, all that stuff. And then you can purchase memberships right on there as well. We try to make that all very seamless this year. So um uh, but again, it's the practice Perfect. We will uh, get those added into the show notes. So thanks again for your time today. And thank you to everyone for listening. We'll see you guys on the next episode.